Are you a small business owner or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover how you can unlock your business potential. Based on the Youngblood column of the Philippine Daily Inquirer, this is the Youngblood Podcast. Stories written by the Filipino youth that inform, empower, and inspire. I am Zoe Milabeth Biaco Baknutan, your co-host for this episode. I've been with Youngblood since February, and I am very much enjoying my experience here. As the creative director of Youngblood, my very purpose here is to beautify whatever comes out of YB. And now, as your co-host, my goal is to beautify your day. One interesting fact about me is that I want to be Mikasa in Attack on Titan in another life of mine. Yes, I'm an anime fan. For today's episode, we are going to listen to a very inspiring story of Alexa Grace Fontanilla. She experienced cancer at a very challenging time and challenging enemy, COVID-19 pandemic. Let's lend our hearts and ears to Cancer in the Time of COVID-19. Cancer in the Time of COVID-19 There is no such thing as right timing when it comes to cancer. Still, it came to me at the worst possible moment I could imagine at 23 years old and in the middle of a global pandemic. I believed I was a healthy young adult. I was never hospitalized save for that one bout of dengue. I exercised almost daily and ate my vegetables. I neither smoked nor drank. Nonetheless, a tumor started growing inside my chest slowly crushing my heart and suffocating my lungs. At its largest, it was the size of a grapefruit. The warning signs came in the form of unexplained fevers, rapid weight loss, and a cough that just would not go away. At first, I suspected that what I had was COVID-19. But a negative swab test told me otherwise. I consulted a pulmonologist who thought what I had was tuberculosis. Despite being on antibiotics for a month, my coughs persisted. They were not the kind you would want to hear near you during a pandemic. Getting sick in the middle of a health crisis made seeking treatment challenging. Going to checkups in person when hospitals are at the forefront of fighting COVID-19 made each trip a potentially dangerous one. All my consultations were done online because my parents and I feared visiting the hospital. The final straw that forced us to rush to the emergency room was a resting heart rate that shot up to twice the normal of a healthy adult because my symptoms mirrored those caused by the dreaded virus, I had to be examined in an isolated area together with other patients under investigation. 
my doctor, clad in a surgical mask and face shield, delivered the news to me that same evening. It looks like lymphoma, he said, revealing the results of my scans. No amount of covering could hide his sorrow as he gave me his initial assessment. It was not every day that he had to hand down a life-shattering medical opinion to someone at the cusp of adulthood. After three biopsies and two agonizing weeks of waiting, I finally received an official diagnosis, primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. My world was brought to a screeching halt. I had to take a leave from law school just after a week into my penultimate year. Even though our semester was held online, I did not think I could endure the mental rigor that our classes required. I instead shifted my energies toward researching my illness. I abandoned law books and jurisprudence for medical journals I could barely understand. Battling a rare and aggressive form of cancer in my 20s made me reflect long and hard about my future. Will I even have a future? I yearned for answers. I began scouring social media for stories of survival of young cancer patients like myself. I spent hours googling my disease, desperate for the study that guaranteed that I would live. While my peers were planning their vacations for when the pandemic was over, I worried about the long-term effects of the chemicals being injected into my body. While they stayed up late to finish their readings, I lay awake at night on a hospital bed, wondering if I could still finish my degree. I became dependent on my mom, dad, and younger sister even the most basic of tasks, such as climbing up a short flight of stairs or walking to the bathroom, required their assistance. Conventional social expectations dictate that at my age, I should be the one taking care of myself and later on my parents. As I struggled to accept my condition, I also harbored feelings of guilt. At a time when I am most in need of a warm embrace, the pandemic physically isolated me from my loved ones. I could not entertain visitors nor go on unnecessary trips outside my house. My fear of the virus escalated by a hundredfold. While it could manifest as mild symptoms for healthy people my age, it could mean the difference between life and death for immunocompromised patients like me. From the moment I stepped into the ER, each day has been a test of courage. 
I still find myself holding my breath while waiting for the result of each scan. Even the slightest hint of pain sets off a new round of catastrophic thinking. But each day is also an opportunity to hope. My time in isolation has allowed me to explore new hobbies and revisit old ones. In the mornings, I practice meditation. In the afternoons, I read novels that transport me to other worlds. After half a year of treatment, all the symptoms I had prior to being diagnosed have ceased. I can finally walk a whole kilometer with ease. The world is starting to heal too. After much delay, we have started rolling out the much-awaited vaccine. Ordinary people have shown individual acts of goodwill as well as collective forms of action. The pandemic has given us a glimpse of humanity's limitless capacity to demonstrate compassion and generosity in the midst of all the problems we must urgently confront. And so, I hope to continue my life in a better world. One that is kinder and wiser, in the same way that facing my mortality at a young age made me question my old ways of living. An end to this pandemic is surely somewhere on our horizon. I just want to be there for it. Alexa's story was published in the Philippine Daily Inquirer last March 14. Now, she voices out hope comes in many forms and is given as an opportunity each day. We all had experienced a dreadful 2020, but Alexa suggests that the world is starting to heal little by little. What's up everyone? It's me, Michael Morales, and welcome back to a new episode of the Young Blood Podcast. Ms. Alexa Grace Fontanilla, a 23-year-old law student at the University of the Philippines, joins us today. Hi Alexa, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Hi Michael, thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Thank you to the Young Blood Podcast team. Mukhang nagtapareho po tayo ng outfit for this for this episode. Nagkataon lang din. And natuwa ako na pareho tayo. Yeah. So you are a UP student. I want to ask you, what was the unforgettable memory you have in the UP or University of the Philippines one month before lockdown? So one month after the lockdown, that was February, right? And uh, last year, the year prior to yung boys of block, um, nag surprise namin na may harana and flowers. So the next year, yun yung a month after the lockdown, kami namang girls yung nag surprise uh, boys. So we prepared a small gift and some notes, love letters to the boys in our block. That was, I think, our last celebration before the lockdown happens. That's cute, no? Um, ano, ano yung na-receive mo from a boy and ano naman po yung binigay nyo? 
if I remember correctly, the year prior to that, we received roses and notes from the boys in the block. So the next year, we also prepared notes for them and we brought them a bottle of beer each. <laughs> you know, very simple, but it's our tradition in our block. Annually, we do it annually. Even the other blocks in UP, they do that. Did you do the same thing? Like, kite online? I don't think nagkaroon na ng ganun ulit because of the situation. <laughs> yeah, since before the pandemic, um, I believe um, you were able to attend pa po ng classes niyo, no? Yes. Yes, I was still able to attend my classes. Um, sige. Punta na tayo sa ating main topic. No, we want to know your young blood story. Not in a negative way, but siguro in a positive way kasi parang nadala ako nung, um, nung essay mo upon reading it since I also have, I mean, my biological mother died from a cancer. And yeah, it was really a painful event sa amin. She died from a breast cancer. I am grateful na you're still present and fighting for the life that you want. Since since your situation drove or triggered you to write the essay, um, yun po. Um, we want to know more about your young blood story. It was act- uh, the essay was actually a compilation of all the things I wrote in my journal throughout uh the months that I was on active treatment for cancer. So I wrote it because first of all I lost my voice as a result of the mass in my chest. Uh it pressed on my nerves so the vocal cords were damaged as a result. So I didn't have other avenues to my story other than writing and I turned to my journal to write about what I was feeling because I think people have to understand that when you're dealing with cancer you're in a state of suspension Uh, especially when you're a young person I was in my I was 23 years old I'm now 24 but last year I was 23 23 when I got diagnosed with cancer and everything in my life went into pause uh i had to take a leave from school i had to take a leave from all my hobbies everything that i wanted to do that required my physical strength so i i turned to writing i turned to journaling my thoughts and I thought it would be nice to get my story out in the world in some form so that's how my essay uh, came about and apart from that I felt that what I was experiencing was strange in a sense that I'm dealing with cancer in the middle of the pandemic Kala mo po ba na COVID, COVID-19 yung case mo nung nasa house ka pa lang before seeing a doctor? Um, of course, that was my first thought since 
my parents had to go to work and my risk of exposure. But at the same time, I also felt that what I had was much more serious than COVID, than the flu. I, I, I'm not discounting the fact that COVID is a serious illness, but I felt like what I had was something different. Because... Um, how painful it was when you knew that you have the disease, the primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. How painful it was for? I wouldn't necessarily consider it painful when I got diagnosed because, again, as I told you, I had a feeling that what I had was something different, something serious. And I was already preparing myself for long-term treatment when I got misdiagnosed with tuberculosis. Uh, I already had that mindset that treatment would last for more than a month because treatment for TB is six months. So when I got rushed to the ER that day in September and all the illnesses that they thought I had uh they started to rule out different illnesses um and pumasok na nga yung possibility that i, I might have lymphoma because these were similar symptoms to it um i was already pretty much prepared when i got the official diagnosis because two i waited for two weeks right before i got diagnosed with lymphoma but before those two weeks I already was referred to an oncologist. I had a team of doctors who were already reviewing my case, um, doing precautions just in case I actually ha- what I actually had was lymphoma. So when I when the ball dropped and I got the news that what I had was lymphoma, of course it was still shocking. But not as much. Um, and the waiting time, I would say the waiting time, waiting for the diagnosis was uh, more agonizing than when I actually got the news from my doctor. That two-week period of waiting for an official diagnosis was a very difficult time for me. It was a lonely period, I would say, because even though my family and friends were all there for me, praying for me, my family especially since I'm here with them at home. I was here at home with them. Uh, A lot of things were still uncertain at that point and a lot of things are also incommunicable. Uh, You you should also understand that I was, I wasn't, that waiting period, that was my weakest state. I was feeling all the symptoms of the cancer. I didn't have any treatment yet. So all I had, all I could do was lay in my bed and be lost in my thoughts. And I would say that that was the more painful, agonizing period rather than when I got official word from my doctor. I would, I could even go as far as saying that when I got my official diagnosis, it was more of a sigh of relief on my part that finally I 
finally know what was wrong with my body as compared to when I was waiting for the diagnosis that I didn't know what, if what I had was cancer, what I had was just an infection. That was, I think, the more uh, difficult moment in the journey of finding out what kind of sick, sickness I had. You are experiencing, you were experiencing the symptoms na po, no? Uh, how about your parents? How did they reacted when they knew about your disease or illness po? It was a tough time for my parents because I could only imagine the pain they're feeling na their 23-year-old daughter is, is that kind of sick na hindi makahinga, hindi makalakad. Uh, man sa hindi makalakad, hirap maglakad, hirap to do things independently. And that as the eldest, their eldest child, I was very independent. Um, there were a lot of things that they already uh, trusted that I could do on my own. Mga errands, driving, bank, mga ganyan, mga ganyan adulting stuff. I could do on my own. So, seeing me in my sick ill, weak state. I guess that was very tough for my parents. And I saw I saw that also uh, in the way that they worried about me, in the way that they told me they wish na sila na lang yung naka-experience ng ganun kesa ako. And that was also very painful for me to see them that way. Uh, so, so parang naghalo-halo na yung difficulty na I'm weak already, but also feeling very guilty about um, the situation that my parents had to go through because of me. So, yun, uh, I took care of my body, and that's why it was a shock to me to be diagnosed with, it came as a shock to be diagnosed with cancer. And I asked my doctor about it, actually, if was it something I did? Was it something uh from my own fault and he said maybe maybe not uh maybe not because it might be just genetic or not even genetic it could be my the cells in my body just decided to mutate on their own that's a big possibility and i may never know what caused my cancer the cancer that i got diagnosed with and i also realized that it's not worth pondering about it just it just happened it is what it is hanggang anong stage ng ng cancer yung experience mo yun na yung worst of the worst pina uh, pinaka 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 mataas or pinaka last na stage tama po ba yes yun yung pinaka last na stage for uh, the cancer that i was diagnosed with Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing, no, that you were able to survive, and we are really grateful for that, po, no. Um, knowing that the, that this disease is severe and you have to deal to deal with it seriously since you reached stage four, according um, according to what you've said earlier, how did you mentally manage to cope with the situation? I managed by reading books. Apart from writing about what I experienced, I read uh, I read a lot of memoirs 
you might actually find this <laughs> disturbing, but I read a lot of books about cancer. Uh, mostly memoirs about people who lived through it. Some of them passed away and never got to finish the memoir. One of them is uh, Dr. Paul Kalanisi, who wrote When Breast Becomes Air. He's a neurosurgeon who got diagnosed with lung cancer. And uh, he wrote about what he felt uh, he reflected on his life thus far as when he was writing books. And uh, that comfort, his words comforted me. Uh, that knowing that even though ca uh, facing cancer is a very personal journey, uh, at the same time, there are shared, common, and shared experiences that I could relate to. And that certainly gave me a lot of comfort as I was uh, isolated in the hospital. Uh, I I could say um, I had to cope with the situation because in in this way, by reading books, by occupying myself with activities that I could do in uh, the four, within the four corners of the hospital room, not allowing myself to think beyond the next cycle, the next round of chemo. Uh, what I did was I thought about what I would do tomorrow, what I would do next week. Uh, the things that I could do given my limited physical strength. And that helped me because I did not pressure myself into thinking about what will happen to me after treatment, after chemotherapy, if I could return to school, if my voice would come back, because that was one of my biggest concerns at that time, especially apart from being sick, is will I still be able to return to my normal life, which is a law student, uh, if I would be able to finish my studies. So what I just did was, uh, when, when you're a cancer patient, one of the common uh, side effects of the chemotherapy is you lose your appetite. And the whole time I was in the hospital, I would get very nauseous, uh, just smelling the food served by the hospital. So I would almost always just ask for food from home, uh, which my parents thankfully would uh, bring me. To the what, what do you usually eat back then? Uh, pinola. <laughs> that was my favorite uh, during treatment. I would list down the things I wanted to eat pag bumalik na yung appetite ko. And that would usually happen uh, after I get home from chemotherapy. Uh, I would tell my mom to cook me spaghetti. <laughs> yung talagang Pinoy spaghetti sweet style. I wanted that. Fried chicken. I know these are, un I would list down unhealthy things. Pero, you know, when you're sick, when you're dealing with cancer, even if there's this pressure of eating healthy, eat vegetables and everything, you just want to get something in your 
normal. So that was my coping mechanism. Just thinking about what I could do tomorrow, the next week. For example, I would think about what I would bake because I love baking bread. Um, wow. And I I just thought about what I would what I would do. I would bake when I gain my strength back because. When I get home from chemotherapy, the first week after getting home, yun yung pinaka week na state ko na wala talaga ako magawa. Then the next week I would slowly return to normal. So my enough strength ako to cook something, uh to do some walking around the house. So yun, so I didn't think of my future. I just thought of the now. There were times there were times ba Um, when you were reading memoirs, um, parang natakot ka ba of the future? Did you overthink? Yes. You know, kahit sabihin ko na I tried my hardest not to think about my future. Siyempre, there's always this thought at the back of my head that will I still be here a year from now, five years from now? Uh, how will the chemotherapy affect me in the long run? So there, there's always this fear, and even until now, nandun parin yung fear. Uh, that what if the cancer comes back? What if I get long-term effects from the chemo, the drugs that I that was injected into me? So yun. Uh, but you know, we just have to live. Before before we proceed to some words of enlightenment, no. Um, what is the worst thing you have felt or experienced so far as a cancer patient? Uh, cancer free, ka na ba? No, I'm I'm not yet. Uh, cancer free, but I'm still in the monitoring stage. But I would say the worst thing that I experienced was not even the physical pain, because with regard to the physical. Pain, the side effects of chemo. I actually found that I could endure more than I thought I could. I went through surgery. I went through a lot of extractions, uh, needle pricks. I even injected myself at home <laughs> with the help of my mom, of course. But it's not those that uh, I would say were the hardest. It's the social isolation. I experienced during treatment uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, I haven't seen the faces of my nurses and my doctors, even until now, uh, even when I get to visit them in the hospital. I, we've all been wearing masks uh, from the time I first got rushed to the hospital. Uh, my doctor, I have seen his face because Uh, I get to teleconsult with him, but yeah, you know, I couldn't make friends in the hospital. Uh, and even personally, being diagnosed with cancer put a wedge between myself and a lot of people in my life because I've I'm experiencing something very different from what they're experiencing. And it's not every day that you meet someone who's dealing with cancer. So it was hard to communicate pain. Uh, it you could put you could say you could put it into writing or you could express how you feel. But 
dealing with cancer at 23, there's this unimaginable feeling of pain that goes beyond the physical that is hard to communicate. And I think people also have to understand that for cancer patients, pandemic, the pandemic is twice the isolation. Uh, dati pa rin naman, dati pa lang naman, pag sinabing cancer patients, kailangan mas maingat na in terms of avoiding the common cold or a cough. But right now, it's much more difficult because the only way you could meet up with your friends is through video calls. And it's much more different. I couldn't be visited by relatives or friends in the hospital. And I recall the time that I got dengue in 2019 and I got a visit from my friends from law school and my relatives and that kind of comfort that you get from being visited physically by your loved ones is something I did not experience at all during the pandemic. Uh, it's different when you're in front of the screen every night talking to them. Uh, it's uh, They're still there. I still hear their love and their support and their concern for me. But it's different when you get to hug them. When you get to be with them physically, you get to yeah. see them. Mas intimate right kung binisida ka, no? Um, personally. Yeah. yeah, I experienced that too. Kasi, um, before the lockdown, na-admit kasi ako, na-admit rin po ako sa hospital, pero not that serious illness. Siguro over-fatigue lang daw and um, mild nasopharyngitis according to my doctor. Um, Maybe things happen for a reason rin naman. Um, as what you've mentioned earlier, no? Um, hindi naman natin ina-expect na magkasakit tayo. And, hindi, and most of all, hindi naman natin ginusto na magkasakit tayo to, ex- to just experience uh, that kind of thing, no? Uh, what are your hope in these trying times as you recover and regain your full strength to be cancer-free? Can I retract my statement? <laughs> Hindi pala healing pa ang world dahil sa Delta variant. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. I mean... <laughs> Delta yes. variant is something na bigla na lang nag-explode. Like, we are hopeful na sana, no? Na things are getting better, but boom. <laughs> yes, but yun din pa rin yung hope. Uh, and I think I speak for everyone when I say that. I just want the pandemic to end because even though I am already out of treatment, uh, trying to regain my normal life, I couldn't enjoy it to the fullest because of the situation we're in, that we're all still socially, not socially, physically distanced from one another. We couldn't go out freely without the risk of exposing ourselves to COVID. So. My hope is really that the pandemic would end soon and that we could finally return to our normal lives, whatever that new normal would be. And I also hope that for myself, uh, that I would finally, uh, that I would slowly heal also from the trauma that cancer caused. 
same as my family. Uh, it's not just me who was affected by my diagnosis, of course. Uh, I hope that as time passes, we would get to finally fully move on from the difficulties we faced the past few months. Is what What's the one thing you want our listeners or readers to think or feel upon reading your essay? Well, let me just preface before I say uh, what I want our listeners to think. Uh, at first, I wrote my essay just to chronicle, write about the things I went through. It's just an archive of my experience. And I lost my voice, as I mentioned. So writing was the only way I could put my words out there. That was my goal, just to put my story out there. But I understood better what the purpose of the essay was when, after it was published, a number of people messaged me. They looked for my Facebook (laughs) for some reason and thanked me for sharing my story. And... Out of those people who messaged me, a lot of them uh, were also cancer patients that are young adults going through the same thing in the middle of the pandemic. And they thanked me uh, for letting them know that they're not alone in what they're experiencing. So it happened organically. That wasn't my intention, uh, but it just happened. And... I guess that's what I want to put out there. The message I want to put across is that if they're experiencing something as difficult as cancer in their 20s, in their 30s, they're not alone. Um, And when you're facing cancer, it doesn't mean it's a life, it's a death sentence. It doesn't mean that you're going to die. That's not what cancer should be synonymous to. Because uh, as a young adult with cancer, the goal is to survive. The goal is to live my life normally after receiving treatment. And even though that's not always the case for those dealing with cancer at this age, uh, that's the hope, that's the goal for all of us, that even those uh, dealing with cancer in their 50s, 60s, of course the goal is to survive. But when you're a young adult and your life is just starting, you're just starting to build your career, starting your family, the experience, I would say, is also different. And our stories, our experiences uh, should also be recognized, should also be acknowledged. Uh, We sometimes get lost in the statistics, in the data, because we're not pediatric cancer patients. We're not uh, late stage, uh, late end of life, going through end of life treatment, palliative care, that sort of thing. Uh, We're just you know, starting our lives, building our careers, starting our families. The goal is to survive. And to survive that, we need a community as well that understands each other. So 
so that's the purpose of my essay. Looking back, it's not just to chronicle the things I went through. It's to let other people know who are experiencing the same thing, that they're not alone, that someone will always be there to understand them. And we could have a community uh, to share our dreams with. Um, it is really important to have the hope, the burning um, passion in your heart to continue li- to continue to live. No, yeah. What are your initiatives, naman, or advocacies right now? Uh, actually, right now. So I'm preparing to return to school in September. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I, I, I got to um, found, is that the right term? Found a community. It's called Cancer to Adolescents and Young Adults with a doctor that I met uh, when I was undergoing treatment. It was actually her idea. And uh, we got to brainstorm together for it. Uh, she, uh, you're listening, Doc Jell. See, Doc Jell, uh, she uh, approached me while I was uh, undergoing treatment. So as I mentioned earlier, ito yung demographic were just starting college or just graduated college, building their careers, getting engaged, getting married, starting a family. So there are certain emotional, mental, and social challenges uh, on top of, of course, the physical struggles and the financial struggles that are unique for our demographic. So in other countries, they already have support groups for this uh, group, but in the Philippines, they have none. And we thought that it might be an opportune time to build a community like this that we're in a pandemic we could meet through zoom we don't have to uh, meet up physically uh tapos uh so yeah we set up this group it's called cancer sa adolescents and young adults or kaya kaya community and it has that common uh nice connotation na kaya kaya mo to uh you will survive this you can survive this but even though yun yung pangalan namin, we're a safe space also to talk about the lows, highs and lows of the cancer journey. So it doesn't have to always be the positive side bordering on toxic positivity na lagi na lang na uh, kaya mo to, malalagpasan mo to. We can also talk about the struggles that we're facing as cancer patients or survivors. So that's the space that we have now. We have kumustahan sessions every month uh, on different topics like survivorship. So we invite yung mga long, long time cancer survivors na who got diagnosed when they were still ayas. Or we have sessions for newly diagnosed patients. We try to invite um, psychologists, for example, a psychiatrist to talk about um, mental health for caregivers or for cancer patients in this demographic. 
So yun, yun yung aim lang naman is to build connections among people who can understand and relate with each other no matter what type of cancer or what stage they're in. And it's just our way of putting the message forward that they're not alone, that there is a community for them. And I hope that if there are people listening to this who know anyone um, who's dealing with cancer na ka-age na natin, na bata pa, uh, I hope that they could share the news that this community exists for them. And uh, so that they would know that they will have friends, they will have people who understand their situation, understand their situation and can, uh, they can have a community uh, that, you know, a safe space that they could share, not just, of course, the good, but also the bad. And people also need someone who listens especially in this trying times na nakastuck lang sa bahay. Ano naka okay si Alexa ngayon? From the, 'di ba, from the past months na you were experiencing the hardships of the illness that you have of being a cancer patient. Kumusta na si Alexa ngayon? I would say I'm I couldn't say I'm 100%, but I'm 90% and I'm just trying to live my life. And, you know, that's the only way I can make sense of the situation. Uh, just try to, I'm just trying to make the best out of it, uh, preparing to return to school. Uh, but I'm allowing myself to think about my future now compared to before. Uh, when I was still in treatment. Now, I could think about what my life could be a year from now, five years from now, even ten years from now. I'm giving myself that space. I'm allowing myself to dream again. Uh, and, you know, I'm also, right now, I also have the opportunity to take care of my family, my parents, and that's very important to me. So I would say I'm I'm okay. I could say that confidently now. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Thank you so much, Alexa, for sharing um your inspirational story and for giving us hope to continuously fight for our lives and yeah, um to live the life to the fullest. Thank you so much for being part of the Young Blood Podcast. Alexa is proud of her indigenous heritage, Tuwali community of Kiangan, Ifugao. She is an outgoing person, but for now, she mostly enjoys baking, journaling, and reading. And that's it for today's episode of the Youngblood Podcast. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and check out our other episodes. Feel free to drop in the comment section your suggestions on what we should feature on our next episodes. Follow our official social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you guys for listening. I am your host, Joshua Onsai. Till next time. Bye!